Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. What you're doing is you're giving God what is rightfully His, and that is determining of the outcome. And we've talked about this, and I'll I'll say it again. I never tire of saying it. I hope you never tire of me saying it. But God will always answer our prayers the same exact way we would answer our own prayers if we knew what He knew. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. Sometimes we think we're so smart. We pray and pray and wonder why in the world God doesn't answer them because they only make sense, right? But Pastor J.D. is here to remind us today that we don't know everything. God knows infinitely more than you, and he won't answer your prayers when he knows it'll bring about destruction. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Proverbs chapter 16 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I think I shared it, uh, this is a while back now. It was basically this story about how this king would make this uh, invitation once a year to one of his subjects to ask for anything of the king, and he would grant it. And so usually whenever somebody won that, it was like winning the lottery, you can ask the king for anything, they would come and they would just ask for, you know, finances, provisions, you know, livestock, etc. And one year, This guy says to the king, I I want a palace, I want servants, I want this, I want that, I want all of this, and oh, and I want that too, and then on top of that, I want that. And here all of the men are thinking to themselves, he's not going to give him that. And then he does. And they're like, "You, you granted him that request? And his response was, yes, and I'll tell you why because I can. And it was the first time I actually felt like a king, because he asked me for that which only a king can do. You probably know where I'm going with this. Here's this God we serve, the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is, saying, ask anything. And then we come and we pray little prayers. Why do we do that? Do we not believe, do we not have the faith that God can do it or that God will do it? There's nothing too hard for the Lord. He can do anything. (laughs) He's the God of the impossible. And I mean, it would just be ludicrous. I mean, you think about this church, it's ludicrous. No way. It's not going to happen. Yeah, way. (laughs) It did happen. You know why? Because God made it happen. And it required us just believing Him by faith. And He's pleased by that. I think He's just waiting. I don't mean to 
I don't want to paint this picture of God in, in these human terms, but it's like He's sitting up there just waiting. I mean, oh, here He comes. Here, here J.D. comes. He's going to pray. You guys, get over here. Gabriel, Michael, I mean, J.D.'s going to pray. Listen, if He asks for something just, I mean, over the top, off the charts, and it's good, and it brings me glory, let's do it. You guys ready? Ready. All right, here He comes. And here's my prayer. Lord, bless this meal to our bodies. And and then God's like, okay, false alarm. Just, guys, sorry, go back. It's a it's a meal prayer. So he could have had, here I am. I was I was waiting. I, I would I would have done anything, and he didn't he didn't ask. And you have not, because you ask not. So make the plans. And let me just add, make big plans because you have a big God. This scarcity mindset of, you know, I mean, so, uh, and, and, and God's going, what, what? oh, you of little faith. And never imagine that when Jesus said that to the disciples, there was a disdain or a disgust in his voice. No, I believe there was compassion and pity and just a sorrow and a grief that, (laughs) where's your faith? Why did you doubt? Don't you realize what I am capable of? I am God. Is there anything too hard for me? Please bring to me the outlandish request by faith and believe me for it. One last thing on this, and I I don't mean to go off too far, but maybe this just needs to be said. I think it is tragic that the word faith, name it, claim it, teaching, which is a false teaching, has robbed us of one of the greatest and grandest truths in all of the pages of Holy Writ. And I say that because we've gone to the other opposite, really extreme. We've thrown the proverbial baby of faith out with the bathwater of not wanting to be identified with that movement and that teaching. So here's the the word faith community saying, man, just have enough faith, have faith, believe, believe God for it, believe God for it. And so we don't want to be associated with that. We disenfranchise ourselves and distance ourselves, rightfully so. But I think we do err when we distance ourselves completely from this belief that God can do anything. I think that it's very simple, maybe too simple, but it was modeled for us in that prayer in the garden when Jesus was being arrested, knowing that He's about to go to the cross. And He prays to the Father. We don't understand it in our humanity, but in His humanity, Jesus prays to the Father that if it was possible, if there was any other way for the redemption of the world and the saving of mankind from His sins, let this cup pass from me. And then He says, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. What you're doing is you're giving God 
what is rightfully His, and that is determining of the outcome. And we've talked about this, and I'll, I'll say it again. I never tire of saying it. I hope you never tire of me saying it. But God will always answer our prayers the same exact way we would answer our own prayers if we knew what He knew. He knows the end from the beginning. And sometimes I imagine it's kind of a corny way of saying it, but I kind of imagine I'm, I'm praying, oh Lord, you know, please do this. And, and it's like the Lord saying, no, you don't want me to do that. That would not be good. Oh yeah, but Lord, if you could just do it this, this way at this time. And it's like the Lord saying, no, 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 don't, I, I, don't, don't. And then here's the Holy Spirit going, you know what, I'm going to edit that prayer. <laughs> I'm going to change that prayer. I'm going to intercede, <laughs> because if God, aren't you glad for the prayers that God did not answer? For those of you who keep prayer journals, prayer lists, and you go back over those prayer lists, those prayer journals, and you read those prayers that you prayed, and you go, oh my goodness, thank you Lord Jesus that you didn't answer. If you would have answered that prayer the way I prayed it, it would have been horrible. And God's going, I know, I tried to tell you that. But you prayed that, and I'm saying, I'm not going to answer that prayer, because you don't want me to answer that prayer, because if you knew what I know, you wouldn't want that. Because I know the end from the beginning, and I know what is best and perfect. And it's always going to be in His time, and in His way, and for His glory. So plan, prepare, pray, believe, but the Lord will direct your steps in the end, and He will determine the outcome. Now verse 10 is going to require a little bit of explanation as well. Some of your translations, the New King James says divination. See that as a divine sentence. Is on the lips of the king. His mouth must not transgress in judgment. In other words, this is the king we're talking about, and they have the power, divine if you will, to sentence, to judge. So it is incumbent upon that king that his mouth does not transgress in judgment. He must be a just judge. Verse 11, honest weights and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are His work. Now in that day, in that culture, at that time, the way that they would purchase and buy and sell, they would have these scales, they would take this weight, they'd put it on one side, they would take the product that was being purchased and put it on the other side. And so when the scale was evened out, that was the weight of that product that was on the other side of the scale. But wouldn't you know it, surprise, surprise, the dishonest seller, merchant, they would take a weight and they say, oh yeah, this is a, a one pound weight, okay? It's not really one pound. It's not even close to one pound. It just says one pound on it. But it's like, at best, maybe three quarters of a pound. So you take your merchandise, you thought, well, I thought that was going to be a pound. And so he says, take some off, take some off, take some off. Okay, that's a pound. And then the scale evens up but that's a dishonest scale. That's not one pound, that's three quarters of a pound. And so honest scales, 
honest weights on those scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are His work. Verse 12, it is an abomination for kings to commit wickedness, for a throne is established by righteousness. This is a powerful principle as well, one that we uh, read about again in the book of James, which has been likened by some as being the New Testament book of Proverbs, where James talks about this desire, it's a noble desire, to be in a position of authority, position of leadership. So if you want that and you want to pursue that, and maybe you sense that God is calling you to that, be very careful what you ask for, because you're going to be judged by a much higher standard. Because if you're in that position of authority, especially when it comes to teaching the Word of God. I think it was Greg Laurie who uh, humorously, as he is very humorous, uh, describes it. He says, you know, guys like me that teach the Bible, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a line for the teachers, because we're going to be judged by a much higher standard. So I'll be in that line, and that line is going to go really slow, because we're going to be judged by a much stricter standard than you are, because we've been put in that position of authority. And that's why it is an abomination for kings, leaders, rulers, to commit wickedness. Verse 13 kind of picks up on it. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him who speaks what is right. I was thinking about this proverb uh, today, and I thought of it this way. So if a king, a position of authority, someone as a ruler, as a leader, is delighted by the righteousness that comes from the lips of someone, and the king loves him who speaks what is right, how much more our king of kings? How much more does our master, our king, take delight with righteous lips, with those who speak what is right? You know one of the verses in the Bible that really concerns me is where it says that we will be judged by every word we speak. Every word, in other words, the, the inference is, this is, this makes the hair on the back of my head, whatever's left back there, stand on end, because it infers that there's a record of every word I spoke. So I, I just imagine that, you know, when I'm there at the Bema seat of Christ, not the great white throne judgment. That's where the punishment and the wrath of God is poured out. The Bema seat is where the rewards are given. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul describes this as the fire, the purifying fire. It's going to burn and consume the wood, hay, and stubble, but it's also that same fire going to make more valuable and precious the jewels, the gold, the silver. So we all have two piles. So I'm thinking to myself, I've got a pile, and in that pile are all these words that I spoke, and, the, and that, that's a 
very, very big pile. Probably a lot bigger than yours. And so it's going to take a while for that pile to be consumed by that fire. But we're all going to be judged for every word we ever spoke. So this is saying that when there's righteous lips and one who speaks what is right, the king loves him and takes great delight in him. Verse 14, as messengers of death is the king's wrath, but a wise man will appease it. Now you have to understand, back in that day, the way they would get a message was they would send a messenger that would run really fast and bring the message, or take by horseback and get to who that message was to get to. So if the king wanted to know what the state was, or what the condition was, or the status was, and he would send a messenger to bring back word. And you have this dubious honor of being the messenger, and you realize very fast that it's not good news. The king ain't going to like this. He sent me to find out what's going on. Well, (laughs) how am I going to tell him? So that's a very long trip back to the king to deliver the message. And so what would happen is if the king didn't like the message, you know what they would do to the messenger? (laughs) That was it. Let me bring it into modern day terms, okay? Let's say that your mail delivery person brings you something you don't want them to bring you. And they they say, you know, I'm, I'm delivering your mail. And you look at that thing and you go, I don't want that. And you proceed to just like beat up on them. <laughs> I'm just the messenger. Let's see. Yeah, I don't like the message. And so what? You're going to take it out on the messenger? I'm going somewhere with this one too. I'm a messenger. I deliver the message. Sometimes it's not a, it's an hard, it's a hard message to deliver. And I'm sure for you, it's a hard message to receive. And so you don't like the message? You take it out on the messenger. Verse 15, in the light of the king's face, is life, and his favor is like a cloud of the latter rain. In the context of the previous verse, that makes a lot of sense, right? So you bring the message, and the king's smiling. (gasps) His favor is like a cloud of the latter rain. Thank you, God. I'll live to see another day. Verse 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Think about this one. So you've got wisdom over here on one side, and you have gold over here on the other. You have understanding here on this side, and then you have choice silver here on this side. What are you going to choose? No, let's be honest. What are you gonna, that, that's a lot of gold. That's worth a lot of money. That silver, whew, 
I don't know what the price of silver is, but that's worth a lot too. Well, what the Proverbs is saying is that don't choose the gold or the silver. Choose the wisdom and the understanding, because the wisdom and the understanding will be of help when it comes to the gold and the silver. And we're going to see that again as well. That gold and silver, treasures and riches in the hand of a fool. I mean, I've had over the years occasion when I was on the mainland especially, I just got to know a lot of very rich fools. And I mean, you you just look at these people and they have the world's wealth, and yet they do not have wisdom. They do not have understanding. Verse 17, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. In other words, it's for your own good. If if you choose the highway, the right way, the upright way, and depart from evil, you're doing it for your own soul. And conversely, if you don't, you do so to your own peril. Verse 18, pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, this is... um, oftentimes misquoted, and I realize there are other Proverbs that talk about pride coming before the fall, but here we're not told that pride comes before the fall. We're told that pride goes before destruction. Destruction is a little more severe than a fall. Destruction, that means you're destroyed by your pride. A haughty spirit. What's what's the difference? The the pride is this exalting of oneself, and that's what leads to destruction. The haughty spirit is being full of oneself. Do you see the difference? See, pride is I exalt myself over you. I'm better than you. A haughty spirit is to be full of oneself. It's that arrogance, that that haughtiness of being full. I suppose you could safely say that it's narcissism. It's all about you, and you are so full of you. That's haughtiness, and that comes before the fall. Proverbs is a book of action. The sage life applications written in its pages not only give you something to think about, but they inspire you to act upon what you've read. As you continue to study this book with Pastor J.D., approach each nugget of wisdom prayerfully, asking God to show you how you can incorporate it into your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word. We'd be honored to be praying for you during this study. Would you let us know how we could be doing that for you? You can connect with us by visiting our website, in spiritandtruthradio.com and clicking on contact under the about tab. We'll get in touch with you as soon as we can. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter. You're welcome to interact with us there. Pastor JD's teachings are also available on YouTube. 
Links to all of these are available at our website. Are you part of a church? We want to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area if you haven't already. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. That website also houses all of Pastor J.D.'s teachings, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. It can help you start a conversation with someone you love. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth study of Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth.